Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Shine, 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 shine. Hi, everyone. I hope you're all shining bright. We're going to shine it up. Welcome to the Shine It Up podcast with me, Jackie Gillies. Come join me on this journey as we unpack the Real Housewives of Melbourne, deep dive into all things that I do, spirituality, manifestation, self-empowerment, and being a psychic medium. And I'll chat to some friends along the way. Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Shine It Up podcast. I hope you all enjoyed last week's episode with the fabulous Michelle Branch. So what's been happening this last week? Well, I took my beautiful boys for their six weeks injections and can I say it is everything that every mother says. I felt so horrible for them. Literally when I was sitting on the chair with, I was holding Bono, Ben was holding Rocco and we had two nurses and a doctor that were injecting the babies at the one time. So having three needles. So I was holding a little bottom. When the needles went in, they started screaming and crying. I actually teared up. I was like, oh my God, like you're hurting them. Even though they're not going to remember this, you know, a week later or a day later, like I felt so horrible. I started tearing up and I was like, oh my God, I don't like seeing them cry like this. And I don't like seeing them in pain. And I'm like holding bottom and going, it's all right, puppy. It's all right, my little papa. So I'm like walking around with him and then... When Rocco got his, he was like, Rah! and he was all right. I was like, <laughs> one was okay and the other one just screamed. And I was like, I felt so sorry for them. I'm sure that there's a lot of mothers out there that feel the same way, but I honestly teared up and even my doctor goes to me, Jax, are you all right? I said, no, I feel so sorry for them because they look so helpless and we're just injecting them with their needles that they have to get. But, you know, it wasn't a nice experience for me to see them cry like that. So that caused me a bit of anxiety. Do you know what else I've been experiencing too? I don't know if new mothers and new fathers out there experience this, but Ben and I went out for a date night, which we actually got a gorgeous nanny in, a babysitter in that's that's well-versed in newborn babies, that's also versed in midwifery. And so I felt really, you know, we did our vetting and we went through a really great nanny agency and I thought, no, we're going to get this nanny in and we're going to go out, even if it's for a few hours. Ben and I have to. Now, yes, we had a little quick date night when we went to the movies a couple of weeks back and mum looked after them. But I thought, no, something in my head said, I've got to, you know, just ease into it. So we got this gorgeous girl in. Her name's Jenna. She's amazing, by the way. And she's got experience with twin babies. And so I was like, oh my God, how is she going to be able to feed these twin babies? How is she going to, you know, be able to change burp all at the same time. So I had all these things going in my mind, but something else was saying, you know, give her a go. She's experienced and you need a bit of time with Ben. And I have to say, Kate, so I'm getting ready to go out with Ben. We're going for dinner and we thought we'd go to this local bar that our friend owns that plays live music. So Ben and I 
was like, we were actually quite excited. We were like, yes, we're getting out. We're going to be together. I just, I don't know. It was really quite weird and surreal because I really haven't been anywhere, right? The babysitter comes, Jenna comes, and I'm like, hey, Jenna, how are you? Come in. And, and I was just telling her all the things that she needed to know about Bonham and Rocco. And Ben's like cool as a cucumber. He's like, it's going to be all right, Jax. As I'm getting ready, I don't suffer with anxiety, okay? But since having these babies, this anxiety has come out of bloody nowhere, man. My heart starts beating 100 miles an hour even before I left the house and I can't even explain it. I was just there getting ready. I put some tunes on, trying to live my best life for a minute, going, yes, I'm going out with my man. And my heart is beating, beating, Benny, beating, like I'm having an anxiety attack or something. And I said, Ben, my heart feels like it's beating out of my chest. And I said to Jenna, do you find this normal behavior from women that leave their babies with a babysitter? And she goes, Jackie, it never really goes away. That's very common for new, new mothers to have that experience. And not even just new mothers, just mothers and fathers in general. And I'm like going, is that my intuition telling me something's not right? So Ben doesn't even know that I did this. So I thought I've got to now try and work out if this is just me in my head, my fear-based thoughts, or if it was my intuition. So I came in into the second bedroom and did a quick meditation started breathing and breathing out, asking the questions that I needed to ask. And I realized quickly that this was just a fear-based emotion for me. It was about me feeling like I'm actually leaving my children in the hands of somebody else and I'm feeling guilty about it. And so I knew it was just a, a fear-based thought. So I calmed myself down and Jenna is amazing. She is a gun, oh my God, at what she does. So anyway, off Ben and I go and I thought, I don't know, like there's something in the back of my head that's like, man, I don't know how you're going to cope with two of these babies, but I have to give it to her. Jenna, she fed them both at the same time. She got them burped. She got them down. And I'm like going, man, she's on fire. Like, I don't know, like she was just, she was so, it was so amazing to actually, I actually thank the universe for bringing Jenna into our lives because really she was amazing. And I felt like now if I ever want to go out with Ben or just have a bit of time to myself, even if it's once a fortnight or once a month, then Jenna's there to help out. And I've got my parents, obviously, and I've got family and friends, but I felt so relieved that after I saw her being able to do all the things that she could do in such an efficient, quick way, because she's so experienced and it just eased my anxiety so much. And it's like, well, you know, now I don't feel guilty to be out with Ben. And I even stayed out a bit longer. I got home at about maybe quarter to 12. <laughs> And Ben was like, stay a bit longer if you want. I thought, no, we'll, we'll go home now. So it was, that was my first experience of bringing somebody in and asking for some help so Ben and I could, you know, have some time out together. And I have to say, Ben and I laughed all night long. We were sitting at the bar, dancing to the piano player. I was singing some old school tunes. Ben was laughing. I was laughing. Ben's like, we're out. And I'm like, yes, we're out, baby. We had the best time. So I feel excited moving forward that that's something that I'm going to try and do once a fortnight. How are the babies? The babies, they're going well. I'm finding that they're sleeping a little bit longer, which is really nice as they're growing and getting bigger. Bottom and Rocco are just the cutest little little beans that I've ever seen. And I'm sure every mother says that about their own kids, but that's how I feel about my little Bonham and Rocco. Oh, Ben and I ventured out of the house with the babies in the stroller. Okay, imagine this. Ben and I put Bonham and Rocco in the twin strollers. They're fed, they're happy, they're burped, they're changed, everything. So I'm thinking, all right, so it's going to take me a couple of minutes to get ready. So as I'm getting ready, one cries, then the other cries. And I'm like, I've got like my shorts on 
and a bra on, half-dressed, going, oh, my God, this is like it takes me a long time to get ready just to get out the bloody door. So anyway, I've got the nappy bag, shove everything in the nappy bag, put the babies in the prams, and Ben and I go down for a walk with the beaches. We go to a cafe. We have some breakfast. And then all of a sudden, I hear this, what? And I look down, and it's little, it's little Rocco. I'm like, okay, put his little dummy back in. And I'm like, come on, Rocco. Come on, little one. Trying to like, you know, just soothe him for a minute and he calms back down. Anyway, so Ben and I finish our meal, which was beautiful to go out for breakfast, can I just say. I thought to myself, when they get up this early, if it's six o'clock, maybe I should just burp them, change them, do all the things you need to do and then put them in a stroll and go for a bloody walk. And I'm still walking slowly because of the C-section. I still can't do heavy exercise, but I can walk. And there's a lot of hills to some of the places that we were walking to. Anyway, so after we finish our breakfast, Rocco, he starts crying, like screaming. And the sun's out, but they're covered. We've got all the covers on them. They're all protected. And I'm like, oh, my God, it's been a couple of hours. We're, you know, living our best life. I'm going, oh, this is an easy breezy situation. They're both sleeping. But this is two and a half hours in and they usually eat about every three hours and at night it's about every four. I was like, oh, maybe they're a bit hungry, but we had the bottles in my bag. I thought, no, I'll just stretch it out another 10 minutes and nearly home. And then Rocco's like, and I had to, I was like, Ben, we're going to get him under the shade. And I pull Rocco out and I'm soothing him, walking him up and down. And I'm thinking I'm only a minute away from my home. I'll wait till I get home to feed him. He's screaming. And I'm like, Ben. As soon as I am soothing, we're putting him in this pram. I'm gonna, I'm gonna freaking bolt, man. So he, I soothe him, put him down, put him back into the pram, and we bolt back home. And I thought, is this our life? Yes, guys, this is our life. But I love it. But I've never experienced it. So every day is a new experience for me. So yeah, positive step moving forward. All the new mothers and fathers out there, if you can, if you've got somebody that can look after your children, even if it's for a couple of hours, take that offer, get your man or get your woman and go out somewhere and just spend time for one another. Because I have to say, Ben and I reconnecting, it it felt so beautiful. It felt so brilliant. And I even insta-lived it. And I got so many messages saying to me, how good is it after that six weeks where you get out and you actually feel like a human being again? I was like, yes, it felt so good. So, yeah, guys, I loved it. So let's get into the recap of The Real Housewives of Melbourne, Episode 9. It was such an exciting episode because it was the live recording of today's chat with Julia Morris. Now, this is a big one for me, and I'm going to tell you why. I actually launched my live podcast show with... Julia Morris, who is an amazing friend, and she supported me in everything that I've ever done. She's such a good friend, and I wholeheartedly thank her from the bottom of my heart for being a wonderful guest and mate. Can I just tell you, she made everybody laugh. As a human being and as a friend, she is just such a genuine, supportive woman, and she has the biggest heart. And Julia Morris, you know how much I love you. And for you to come on and be one of my guests, I just feel absolutely on. So thank you for that. But I want to start from when it began as in the podcast. So what you see is, right, you see Kyla and Cherry, they rock in first and have a little conversation. This is at the beginning of my podcast. So what's happening there is I'm getting ready for my podcast show, as you know. You can clearly see me in the theater just prepping myself with the producers. 
there was a lot that was going on with my live podcast and we had over 150 people that paid to come and see this live podcast show. The benefit and proceeds of going to the Moira Kelly Creating Hope Foundation. So it was a big thing for me, right? And it's also launching my podcast that I, this podcast that I absolutely love and adore doing. So when I didn't know that, that some of the girls had turned up early because I wasn't around. So when I was watching the episode, I have to tell you, I was a little bit shocked by some of the behavior of some of the women. So you see Kyla and you see Cherry walking in. And as I'm watching the show, you can clearly see there's a bee in both their bonnets. That's maybe because Kyla um, walked out from the last episode at Gamble's record launch. And obviously, Kyla and Cherry had a conversation about what was going to go down at my podcast. And obviously, that they needed to have a conversation. Now, look, if you want to have a conversation, have a conversation. That doesn't bother me. But what bothers me is seeing Cherry and Kyla say, do I have to sit through this show for three hours? And then Kyla say, yeah, this is bullshit. And they both laugh. Fucking annoyed me. I'm going to tell you why it annoyed me. Because I gave Cherry the benefit of the doubt when I asked her. So before my podcast live recording show even started, their energy was, I don't want to be here. Fine. Kyla and Cherry, if you don't want to be at my show and you can't be bothered with it, I have more respect to go, you know what? It's not for me. That's okay. I'm not going to begrudge you of that. But what I am going to be upset about is you coming to my show and then stating under your breath where you think you're not being miked, do we have to sit through three hours of this? That really upset me. And it upset me because I had genuine, genuine mad respect for Cherry and even for Kyla. Like, listen, I honestly thought that Kyla and Cherry were there to support my show and that they genuinely wanted to be there. So you could have knocked me over the head with a bloody feather when I heard that. The reason I was upset as well was because at Cherry's 40th, I actually hit her up and said, did you say any of these things? And I had floor staff and I had friends sitting behind them where they were sitting. And my friends had said to me that they had heard Kyla and Cherry mimicking and taking the piss out of me and what I was saying. And one comment that wasn't shown on film, they didn't air this, was when I said be gone with negativity, apparently Kyla was like, be gone with negativity, like ripping me off about the way I said it. And there was a few other instances that was said that the camera didn't show as well. Now, like I said, I don't begrudge you if you don't want to be at my show. I get it if you're not into it. But what I will be upset about is you coming to my show and sitting there like you don't want to be there. I would have preferred you to not to have come. The other thing that I didn't like is when Janet she was my person that was my front of house that was just welcoming everybody for me. And she did a brilliant job, Janet. Thank you. I love you, girl. But, you know, to hear little snickering comments like, look what she's wearing. She looks like she's in a bridal dress. That's not a skinny arm, um, Janet. All those things, and I don't care in what context you said it, the fact is you said it. And the thing that tipped me off the edge, and I'm going to go back to it again, is you clearly stated that you didn't want to sit through three hours of my show. So here you are cheesing before you walk into my podcast. Here's to Jackie. Here's to the support of Jackie with the champagne glasses, with Gamble. This is about Jackie. Let's not talk about this now. What bothers me is the double face, man. Like if you don't like something, then tell me to my face. Don't say shit behind my back. And that is 
the way I am. And any person that's watched this show for six years knows that I'm a very straightforward person. And if I don't like something, I'm going to say it to you. That's my opinion on it. It really, really hurt me. And it disappointed me. It really disappointed me. And even saying it like makes me a bit sad. It, it really does because I thought Cherry and I were building a really honest and truthful friendship and that really knocked me, to be fair. And it knocked me because when I was at Cherry's birthday party and I had to get it straight up because I didn't want to be sitting at someone's party having this in my head, I was like, no, I'm going to ask you and I'm going to ask you right now. And that's what I was going to do. And I did. And she said, no, Jackie, I didn't say any of that. And I was like, okay, cool. If, even if Cherry had said Jackie, I was like, fuck, I can't be bothered sitting through this for three hours. And she said I did say that. I'd be like, okay, I get it. I understand it. I understand the context of it. But the fact that you said you never said anything negative about my show, well, that's what really upset me. And then sitting in watching me as I'm doing my show and the rolling of the eyes and then, you know, falling asleep and all those things, I just found it incredibly rude. Just rude. Like you didn't want to be there. And then after my show had finished, what you see is Kyla and Cherry get up and Kyla goes, I'm ready to rumble. Rumble for what? We're, we're at a podcast show for charity, for something that's positive, for something that's inspiring. People have paid good money to come and see this show and I'm looking over at you women snickering about this and taking the piss out of that and, you know, bitching about Janet. But the point is you weren't straight up about your feelings about being at my show and then it continued on during my show. The other thing that I want to say is I felt my show went really, really well. The audience loved the show. Julia was just amazing. She made everybody laugh. I mean, she makes me laugh every other day, but when she's on that stage, she is the ultimate comedian, but she's also the ultimate personality. So Julia Morris, I love you and thank you. And all the girls were, other than Cherry and Kyla, the other girls were very supportive. And I think the other thing that really was like, what the, like, I couldn't believe it. It's when like, Jackie, you did an amazing show. You were so good. You were this, you were that. And I was like, but I just saw the episode and you said before you walked in the show that you didn't want to be here. So what is that? That to me was like one way in front of my face and one way behind my back. I don't play that game, mate. That's not how I play. And you can see me getting very passionate about it because I put a lot of energy into this show. And I put a lot of love into this show and I honestly thought the ladies enjoyed my show and watching this episode back really, really hurt me and disappointed me. Oh, so after the show had finished and then we all got together, I could see that there was the arguments were going to start happening. I mean, I don't mind if you want to have a conversation. I don't care it's my podcast, but not during my podcast, you know. It was very much um, a thing of... I think I'm still shocked, you know. You didn't want to be there in the first place and then you come to the show. That was my gripe with you. Just so you all know, I'm running around doing a show. I've got bad sciatica. I'm in pain. I'm rubbing my belly because the way I rub my belly, it actually soothes me, especially when the kicking and sciatica is happening. So that's all going on. I kind of checked out and tapped out actually when they started arguing, to be fair, because I was so bloody tired. Now moving on to the 40th birthday party, which is Cherries. I was excited to go. I was very much about... This is going to be a good party. I can't believe Cherry's 40. Like, this is going to be a good night. But I also knew Simone was anxious about going because Simone and Cherry had gotten into it after my podcast show had finished. Simone kind of was very much, I don't know if I should be coming. I was like, girl, Cherry will be fine. So anyway, we all rocked in. I have to say it was bizarre not having Janet there. Now, what Janet had said to me that wasn't shown on camera was, 
there was two reasons as to why Janet didn't want to come. She didn't know any of Cherry's friends, right? She felt that if she comes to Cherry's party, Cherry's friends and Kyla's friends, they all hang around the same group. And she didn't know whether or not she'd be put in a situation where she was going to be attacked again. That's what she had told me. And she didn't want to go to a 40th birthday party and be put in that situation. And she felt anxious about going because she didn't know Kyla's friends or um, Cherry's friends. And she didn't want to feel like she was going to be ganged up on. And she didn't want to be in a situation where she could have ruined Cherry's birthday as well. That was how Janet felt. And the other thing, and the other reason rather, that Janet didn't want to come was because Janet actually knows Cherry's mother-in-law and her father-in-law. And she didn't want to be in a situation where these people were there and an argument would have, you know, arised or she would feel uneasy and she didn't want to be embarrassed. So she just said, I'm not going to come, Jackie. And I understood why she didn't want to come. Cherry already knew that Janet wasn't coming anyway. So even us reiterating it, Cherry already knew about that. When I walked into the party, I had to get what I was feeling off my chest because I had been told by floor staff, my friends that were sitting directly behind Gamble, Cherry, Janet and Kyla were saying that they were gossiping about the way you were doing your show, Jackie, and mimicking the things that you were saying and rolling their eyes and kind of taking the piss at what I was doing. So I took on what they said, but I also was like, maybe they misheard or maybe something was misconstrued. So I had to get that. And just so you know, I hadn't seen this episode. I didn't know what was going on. I didn't know what how this episode was going to come down, right? So I, I gave Cherry the benefit of the doubt. She said she didn't say anything negative towards my show. She didn't do anything that was inappropriate towards the show. So that was okay. So I moved on from it, whatever. And I had to get that out straight away because I didn't want to be sitting at her birthday party feeling a certain type of way and not enjoying myself or being there for the right reasons. So that's why I said what I said straight up and very clearly. And we moved on and we we're like, yes, no worries. Then it gets into a, a situation where I'm sitting, <laughs> you don't know this. Cherry says Jackie just arrived like she's come out of the bush out of the jungle. So I was sitting having some chips because I'm always eating. <laughs> And Cherry and Kyla and their partners are standing at the table and I hear Janet Roach's name come up. I'm thinking, nah, girl, Janet Roach's name's not going to come up and I'm not going to hear people speaking about her or, you know, speaking in a certain way unless it's no truth. So I walked over and I said, I heard Janet Roach's name. What's going on? And they were talking about how she, you know, didn't come to the party. But we all know why she didn't come to the party because you were told this already, Cherry. Janet had told you. You were told this. You're also told this by production. It's like, okay, where's this going? And actually, I have to say, I really like Cherry's partner when he was like, this situation is going nowhere. And he's right. Just keeps going bloody round around the circle. So he had some good advice. And um, to be fair, Kyla and Cherry's partners were really gracious and really lovely. And um, I actually had good conversations with both of them. And, you know, I, I thought they were really, really lovely guys. And they had some good points, actually, that you didn't actually get to see on, on the show. I really enjoyed getting to know both their partners. The other thing that I do want to say is Cherry did look beautiful um, for her birthday. I have to say she looked gorgeous. She did have a lot of love in the room. Her husband absolutely adores her. And that was beautiful to see. On a, another note, Kyla, I don't know what the heck you were doing, but you taking that microphone, I have to say, it did crack me up. I was like, girl, you're not married to her. This is bloody, like, it, when she took over the mic and she was, you know, gushing over um, Cherry, I just found that a bit too much. But that was my opinion. But to be fair, it was a bit funny, actually, because Kyla, she could have kept talking and talking and talking. <laughs> 
And I was just like, mate, take the mic off Kyla. Let her husband speak. <laughs> you actually see Cherry go, oop, here's Kyla again. So, you know, that was a bit of a funny moment. But all in all, the birthday party was fun. I did have fun. And I met some of Cherry's friends and they were really lovely. I enjoyed myself. And I think that if Janet had to come along, she would have enjoyed herself too. The other thing that I want to make clear is I also feel that the thing between Kyla and Janet just keeps going on and on and on. It needs to be resolved. Will we ever get a resolution? You'll have to keep watching the rest of the episodes to see if we get a resolution. But I also feel like if this doesn't get cleared up, then where do we go from here? Do you know what I mean? Like if there's a sixth season of The Real Housewives uh, of Melbourne, then it's this show is all about conflict and resolution as well. So, you know, if there's a situation, you've got to be able to resolve these situations. So next week is the last episode of The Real Housewives of Melbourne. You'll have to see how that goes down. It's a big one, man. It's a big one. So you saw a little bit of today's episode with Julia on the show, but there was a lot more that happened and it was so much fun having Julia there with me. So let's get into my full chat with Julia Morris. We're going to shout it up. Please welcome Julia Morris. Hey girl, I keep pulling my dress down as you shine down nicely, yes. Julia, you can rock, girl. <laughs> oh my god, we can't hear her. We need to turn the mic up. Hello. <laughs> Is anybody else having a little LSD flashback on that carpet? I was like, whoa. <laughs> oh no, it's kicking in again. I love you, Oh, oh my God, I feel all. so honoured to have this chick. She just like lifts the mood, Julia. Oh, well, do you know what? I just didn't really. I was just happy to get out of the house after our 33 weeks of lockdown last year. Any invitation, I'm like, Fuck, kids, <laughs> get your own dinner. I'm out of here. <laughs> See ya. Mummy's out. Check out those shoes, man. I like, know. That is like blinging, Julia. This is why I love you. Well, the heels are like petrol dip gypsy claws on my feet these days. <laughs> And then I get them on. You know what it's like? You're like, I'll just pop them on. And then you. <laughs> uh, and I, I've got a friend who's got this spray that she sprays on the bottom of her feet so she doesn't feel it. I'm like, what are you spraying on your feet that you don't feel the agony uh, of razor blades going up through your feet? It doesn't even make sense to me anyway. It so does trainers make sense, all the way. Girl. Let's sit down and have a chat. Oh my God. <sighs> Julia, how are you? Oh, look. (laughs) 53? No, whatever. You know, beauty comes naturally. I think that's something I'm incredibly lucky with. And I've got an appointment for some Botox on Monday. And so, yeah, I'm hoping to freeze off the whole face by this time next week. (laughs) (laughs) Do you know what? Julia, as we all know, is the host of I'm a Celebrity, Get Me Out of Here. But I have to ask you, the fun in the jungle that, I've had, but then I like to ask you, I'm going to flip it. How do you like watching all of us, like me, if anybody saw me on the show, I ate rat skin, I had cockroaches, oh. and I ate junky ass that I got pink eye from, and oh. Julia is have so we all, though, Have we all, have we, am I right? <laughs> Whoopsie. Oh. oh, well, not to worry. Watching everybody in the jungle... I would have thought I would find it amazing, but I think, I think about my kids and then I, th- I think, oh my God, 
no one's very comfortable. It's so hot. There's things biting you all night. It is, it's not pleasant. So even on, there's a couple of days that we have off. We shoot live when we're in South Africa and there's two days off. And on those two days off, hand on heart, I think about everybody and how they must feel like. Well, I grew up in Gosford, as you know, and they used to have this competition in the Imperial Centre, the little shopping centre in the middle of Gosford, where they would put a little car and people would go in and they'd hold a piece of string for the weekend and this piece of string would be sticky taped to the car. And if you fell asleep, you lost. And the last person who held their sticky tape won the car. And that's how I feel the jungle is. You hold it onto this sticky tape thing, is this shit ever going to end? <laughs> Am I going to get the car? Not guaranteed. Do you know what? This is a true story. I was When I put my head through that hole where all these bugs are flying out and oh. Gibson, Josh Gibson was in the hole behind me. That, that's what she said. That doesn't sound good at all. Anywho, I start singing, no word of a lie, Amazing Grace. And they're all going, you can't sing Amazing Grace. So I'm meditating going, amazing. And she's like, you can't sing Amazing And I'm singing it. As all these bugs, it. these Big ass oh, bugs yeah. are like a and it stinks and it's hot and it's confronting and you know you've got to do well for the team because they're all going to slice you when you go back. Yeah, yeah. It's, um, it's an intense moment. You were the first contestant on the show that was a close friend. So it was, it was incredibly confronting. Like, remember the waterboard challenge, Jackie, where they basically waterboarded Jackie? I'm like, that's waterboarding. They're like, no, that's not what we're calling it. We're calling it a float safari. I'm like, mm, no, that's waterboarding. So, Jax is kind of at the bottom of this enormous uh, piece of wood and the water just keeps on flowing down in the face. And honestly, I got I got some like weird PTSD over it. Oh, I got PTSD because the shit that was flying at me, man, was oh, next level. And like actual shit flying at yeah, you. Yeah, actually. <laughs> it's not ideal. Oh, my God. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Moving on, I have to because I'm just getting like stressed just thinking oh, about no. it. So it's a hard, it's much hard. People always say to me, "Gosh, you know, they must get some time off." You're like, "No, no mate. the time off would be sitting in the dirt instead of on that weird <laughs> camp bed." It's it's so hardcore. And everybody who does attempt to go through the show, I have great admiration for because I can honestly say I couldn't do it. It's really hard. It really is. I just thought about the Maury Kelly career and her foundation and how much money it could raise for her. So I just kept like digging in deep. Look, even for Maury Kelly, I couldn't do it. <laughs> I love Maura Kelly and I still couldn't do it. Can I not just, I'll just get some of the house. Do you know actually Moira, Moira said to me, Jackie, I love you so much and I couldn't even do it. I, I went and saw her. She goes, I thank you so much. But she goes, Jesus, cockroaches. Anyway, let's move on from that. I do want to ask you a question. How did you handle lockdown? I need to know this because a lot of people ask me on social media, even some of the guys in the audience have said, how did you handle lockdown with mental health? How were you able to move forward with that emotionally for yourself? I, th- I mean, I-, I think you just had to take it an hour at a time at one point. <laughs> it-, it was so long. For the first part of the lockdown that we had, which was, I can't even remember all the weeks, what was it, about seven weeks the first time, and the homeschooling, Jackie, oh, my God. And Dan and I were writing a book. Oh, 
Yes, you did. So all the way through the lockdown, Here's we were right, doing book. lots of work, but then still during the school hours, sitting beside the kids. Oh, no, whatever. I didn't have to mention it. Um, that's so good. I love You know what I love about this? Man, check her out. She's like, yeah, I'm, just, oh. I'm getting through. Do you know what? We had another cover that the publisher were kind of like, I don't think so. I was standing like, like this. <laughs> Just had the words easy straight across here. <laughs> I'm like, uh, it's kind of suggesting a different sort of book, you know what I mean? I'm like, nah, come on, it'd be lovely. No, we felt like that was the cover. Look, that started because of the frustrations of lockdown. My my great respite was to go onto Instagram. Yeah. And it just getting lost down that little Instagram tunnel was amazing. But watching everybody's advice on what we should be doing, you know, celebrities in particular telling us how to live our lives. I said to Dan, how good would it be to yeah. do a piss take self-help book? Like celebrities are always telling you what to do. Let's turn it on its head. So it was a long writing process, but at the same time trying to manage the moments with the kids, I and mean, through last year, my kids were just having to think about it. We're 11 and 13. Oh, it's a good age. <laughs> I mean, it's an incredibly rewarding age, Jack. It'll be one to look forward to. What achievement unlocked? If you can dream it, you can do it. I mean, shake them, baby. You won't break them. That's what I should say. <laughs> What's this? Fippy's exposed and she's just like... Oh, these, well, I decided, you know, those magazines, they, they make up so many crazy stories that I thought I should just make up some of my own, get them talking. <laughs> no, no one's interested. No one's interested in a lady of a certain Here's age. Here's another one. Yeah. Julie's big secret. Oh, yeah. Two fried eggs rejected a trendy Byron Cafe. I'd oh, actually wow. believe that. Because oh, some God. of the stories I've read, even just about friends in Byron, I'm like, dude... Old mate's not even in the Look, country. What are you talking oh, I'm about? I'm sure Byron's lovely and lots of people really love it, so I don't want to disrespect it in any way. But, uh, you know, the mung beanery, <laughs> I'm not sure, is for me. And I went up to a wedding in Byron and we went to a cafe one morning and my menopause, jacks was at an all-time rate of fury, right? I call it fist of fury because you can feel it rising up within you. And that's the day when you're like, I could easily kill someone today. And we went into this cafe and this girl said, um, hi, you know, they do do that. It's not even a joke. Oh, and I love it. There's something so cool it's about seeing people It's a different great. world. It's amazing. I wish I was cool enough to be part of it. And so <laughs> I said, look, I'll tell you what, I don't need the menu. I'm, you know, like whatever, chia seeds, or I don't understand what they're called. <laughs> I saw that funny black eye bowl and she's like, um, it's a sign. <laughs> So you're like, rightio. So I said, look, two fried eggs and just a bit of toast. That's all I need. And she said, no, the chef won't do fried eggs because the chef can't emotionally connect with frying the eggs. Yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty much the truth. It's not even a piss steak. It's like oh, really like, the truth. Hide the knives. Hide the knives. So then I said, but hang on, there's an egg on the burger. Now I'm like that. There's an egg on the burger. So how can the chef emotionally connect with an egg on the burger? Look at me, I'm already, look, I'm ready to fucking pounce. And I love it, girl. She's like, no, for the burger, yeah. And I said, well, uh, can I order a burger and then just hold the bun, hold the lettuce, hold the burger, hold the what they do. cheese and just bring me a couple of fucking flick flacks on a plate. Like, that's all I really want. And she's like, no, um, no, he won't do that. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to show you. So I ordered two burgers. <laughs> of course you did. And I a spare you. plate and then put everything off to the side. <laughs> and my girls are like this. <laughs> 
That's something my dad would do. Oh. This is why I think it's old school. Like my dad goes out to eat. He's like, I'm not paying fifty dollars for this. I need to have my bacon and my eggs. So yeah, it's, it's, all, it's all for that. So it's a bit of soccer ball ham on a plate. Get a grip. <laughs> yes. Uh, when we got back in the car, Dan said, mm, "Are you all right?" I'm like, "Yeah." <laughs> and he said, "Oh, well, just you know, that was interesting." I said, "Yeah, but I won." <laughs> That's that's the goal yeah. there, mate. And then he said, yeah, $150 for breakfast. We really won. <laughs> you got, you got to be careful when you're round about, don't you? That's so true. You, you made behave. me cry because this is not even made up. This is really what Julia does. <laughs> On a more serious note, I do have a question for you because this is something that I actually, as I put my, do you love my dress? It's a bit short, but I had to, you know, I think feel like it was like happening. Yeah. Thank you. Maiden form. You need a little modesty board for the ladies' vagine area. <laughs> That's why I wore a black scungy, girl. <laughs> I, I do have a question, another one, and I really want to know this for myself. How do you achieve the work-life balance? Because for me, one of the reasons that I probably waited so long to have children is when I got married to Ben, you know, Ben was off touring and doing this, doing that, and I thought, fuck that, I'm not sitting at home being pregnant. Why? He's sh- having fun, having the best time running around the world. And I was doing my career, I was doing psychic medium readings and I was doing kind of like coaching sessions as well. So for me, it was like, I'm not ready to have children just yet. I want to enjoy my life. And, and enjoy your husband. Yeah. And enjoy my husband as well. But for me, I was like, oh, I've got all the time in the world. But the other part that I was scared about is giving up what I do because I love my mum, I love my dad to death, very European, but what I saw growing up with my mum was it was all about my dad, right, and all about her kids. Yeah. And even though dad was like, girl, if, like, if you want to go overseas with your friend, you can go. My dad never stopped her from doing anything. Mm. But my mum had this innate guilt to do everything for That's her the children. That's we raised, yeah. Yeah, but I thought I'm not going to be like that. And when my dad used to say, when we first got married, because my dad's very old school, like he's very much admits that, he'd walk into our house and Ben would be cooking and he'd have wine for me and I'd be sitting in the bathtub and my dad would start crossing himself. What is wrong with you, Benjamin? She should be cooking, not you. And I thought I would never, like, and I said to my dad, no, I said, you're just jealous because I ain't cooking for you. Absolutely. But my point is I was very selfish in my time and everything else and I wanted to be able to keep working, keep um, creating, be able to travel with my husband, but be able to do all those things. And I thought, if you have children, you can't just do that. Well, you sort of so what can. What advice do you have? You sort of can. Well, first of all, for, in terms of work-life balance, work-life balance is bullshit. That's an advertising campaign or I don't know. That just doesn't <laughs> exist because home is work and work is work. Yes. So it just feels like work to me. And the like um, the odd kiss on the cheek is meant to be the payback from the children. They're up in their rooms with their iPads. No, it's just so rewarding. And... Certainly in terms of when you're younger and before you have children, you're right. You never feel like you're ready. That's a fact. So you're never actually ready till the child is in your arms, really. And so, and then you've got to get ready really quickly. And I was listening to something you were saying before, thinking only you know your babies as well. You're the one who's going to know your babies the best. Yeah. So lots of people are going to give you advice and say, make sure you do this or make sure you do this way of parenting, that way of parenting, whatever. You are going to know what to do. And when they're little babies, they adjust to life as you guys with babies. And yeah. you don't actually feel like working, I reckon, for the first bit because all you want to do is you're like, I don't want to miss a moment. I'm in that phase. Um, <laughs> when they're little like that, you we want to be present. And I still went out and did the odd job, which yeah. is great in our sort of industry because you can duck out and do bits and pieces and then, you know, come back in the home. But I was also very lucky that I had Dan because he does the cooking, he does the scheduling, drop-offs, pickups, all that sort of stuff yeah. for the kids. And I knew that they were safe and happy 
So that allowed me to go and work on the odd night here or the odd night there. But and and it just kind of flows. If it doesn't work, you don't work as much. If you want to do more work, you know, you do. Do you know what though? What I find interesting, if you don't mind me saying, you don't share your children on social media, and you're very private about that. And maybe I'm going to take reference to this because obviously doing the Real Housewives of Melbourne, Ben being one of the guys in Silverchair, and Ben's you know quite known himself. Like I have this thing where. Do I show my children or do I not? Like, you keep your children very private. So is there a reason for that or did you ever yeah. get advice about it? When I had my first baby in London, Ruby, and my mum came over to, you know, for sort of those first few weeks and I remember her saying something like, look, their privacy is not yours to sell or to give away. So uh, we're sort of talk, talking in terms of like doing a magazine story or something yeah. like that. And it, it just really struck a chord with me. And now that the, my children are 12 and 14, I'm glad I haven't shared them because of the odd weirdness of being well known when you're out on the street. I can handle that. I'm 53. I'm a grown up. As you know, most of the time people say nice things that are going to approach you. So that's great. But to speak to your children with some familiarity, like they know anything about them, that freaks me out. And uh, so I like the idea of no one really, you know, I'm very open with my school drop off and pick yeah. up and it's not all sneaky Heidi, but we live a pretty middle of the road life. It's much more sensible once they get to about nine. They don't want to be moved around from place to place. They want to, yeah. or it feels like they want to have a bit more stability and have you guys a bit more to themselves. Yeah, I, I get that. And I- I understand that. That's a conversation Ben and I have really talked about. But, you know, maybe if I do a Kim Kardashian show and, you know, One and all, if they want to pay and then you put it in a trust fund and go, well, yeah, yeah. your university is Absolutely. And look, boy, there's, there's lots of my close friends who, who show their children on social media all the time and I love seeing their kids and seeing them grow and thinking they're amazing and that's wonderful for them and, and they do include it within their business. I don't know. There's just there's just something about I needed something for me. For you. Yeah. yeah. I'm so open with everything from my, you know, from menopause to Dan having breast cancer to, you know, Dan literally falling dead in my arms with anaphylaxis a couple of years ago. So I'm super open yeah. about everything, but there are some yeah, things I, I'm I like, it. shut it down. I do get it. But yeah. I will say you are very open with your fur babies. Who wins fur babies versus real babies? Oh, look, it is difficult to compare, but fur babies every time. Yeah. <laughs> Look, children are very pleasant, but there's nothing like the love of a fur baby. The fur baby doesn't know how to use the iPad. <laughs> you did lose your beloved fur baby, Tootsie, in March. Oh, poor old Tootsie. Look, she's like, she's doing a low five. She's like, hey, too slow. And hanging out with Tootsie. Tootsie was a gorgeous puppy dog. She's six years old and got lymphoma. But Jackie, here's the thing. During the lockdown, we're like, wouldn't it be nice for Tootsie to have a little fur pal? You yeah, know, because we've got each other. Here he is. Oh, there's where. Is Guess what dog she? Let, you've got to listen to this. This is why I love this woman so much. She has named her dog. It was named Ken, Ken. and she put oath at the end of it. Ken oath. oath. Ken oath. <laughs> Little Ken came along. He's loving his life, and then kind of, I'd say, three months, four months into it, Tootsie gets the lymphoma and pops the clogs, and I'm left with a fucking puppy. <laughs> oh my oh god, my. who named him? Who? I named- know. So much nicer than my children. Look, they smile, they stop, they even had what I asked them to do. I've seen this photo, it's so good. 
I wish you could all come to Jolly's house. You'd love oh, it. Oh, Ken loves to lick the plate after the eggs have gone. You know, he, he's mad for it. And then Tootsie, she looks very regal there. Yes, that was a, a friend of mine who, who did us a little portrait of Ken and Tootsie. It's so amazing. You've really come full circle. <laughs> Oh, Tootsie. Well, and also there's something incredibly wonderful about, what well, I think, about puppy dogs in the home when you've got kids is there's so much laughter. Animals are so funny and they bring so much joy to the home and not everybody's home can have it. Not, you know, if you're out all day, that's not really appropriate. Because Dan works from home, that's made the puppies very happy. How many people have dogs in the house or grown up with dogs? Come on. Have we got the doggies yet? I'm all for dogs. Oh, yeah. Dogs. Get in it. You know what? I've just thought about something that's just come to my head. Parenting fails oh. with Julia. Oh, dear. I mean, where do I all start? Right. Julia, we're going to start here right now. Okay. Well, first of all, Julia Morris in her undies. Yeah. Doing the mower mowing. With the mo- Hang on a minute. Hey. Oh, I was hollering for a marshal. Oh, granny undies. They're a cotton tail. Is, is that like old school, like the lawnmower? Yeah, push it along. We'll have a go at the grass. <laughs> have a go at the grass in Gosford. It was so burnt over the summer. Deep. We're like, global warming, guys, it's heating up. Have a go at the fucking grass in 1972. <laughs> oh, here's another one. Here we go. Ah, oh, the day I married God, guys. <laughs> now, I said I do. I, I didn't hear what those. he said. There he is. I'm, I'm standing next to my grandmother's sister, Felicitas. <laughs> That's so awesome. And I've got a Mary Jane on. Look, I've had a lovely time there. I don't know the brother's that happy about that. But anyway, <laughs> yeah. Was this picture from Bandcamp? Yeah. <laughs> Those old school pics your parents used to take. Oh, that's, that's amazing. Gold. I know. What about the purple background? That's everything. I, I, I've got, I think I've got a swatch watch on, guys. Whatever. I was totally. What about this school picture? Oh, oh my how good is that? I look like that that car from Cars. My school picture is pretty bad too, Julia. My dad, I'm going to give you. My dad didn't want to let me go to a hairdressing. Oh. He goes, Why would I pay twenty dollars when yeah. I can cut it? He cut my hair, oh and I remember my God, going Jackie. to school, going pitch cut the matter in my head. This is embarrassing. And I look like a bloody mullet. It's amazing. <laughs> oh, my God. And then they dress me like a fucking... Oh, you look like you've got a little schwanz. Look, you look like you've got a tiny little penis. Am I right? <laughs> Awkward. Is this something we Did need to discuss? Your parents do this to you? You know, these... Re- and the parents think that you, you look so good and you're like, no, you man. You do look these beautiful. Are- oh, <laughs> my Except God. for your little ball bag. That's but apart so from that, you look amazing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, well, look. Julia Fashion Jewels, look at you. There's nothing I like more than getting down to the beach and whipping on a Middle Eastern hat of sorts <laughs> um, is how I felt at the time. I don't. You're probably not even allowed to say that anymore, but that was the style. I think that that is... Uh, you were big into hats, weren't you? No. Well, oh, no, absolutely. <laughs> That's, look, my mum. Look, if you want to have a bit of a giggle one afternoon, get your mum and go into the shops. First of all, try on a heap of age-inappropriate clothing <laughs> because it is so funny to see your mum in a miniskirt, like a mini, mini, mini skirt, like a little womb broom. <laughs> and then we tried on hats in Target uh, over the racing period. And that's yeah, gold. That's man. the look. Julia, you just... <laughs> 
This is dress-ups. Oh, my God. Oh. That's in grade five. I went dressed as Dame Edna Everidge, but Edna Everidge wasn't a dame by then. She was just a housewife superstar. And <laughs> I think there was two teachers at St. Patrick's in East Gosford who knew who Dame Edna was and nobody else knew. And they were just like, I don't understand what you dressed as, but you look very grown up. Oh, and this was a hat parade. What oh, is that yeah. thing in your head? That's an Easter bonnet. <laughs> Oh, my God. I have to say this. My producer's son had an Easter parade, so she made this hat. It was a hat parade. Oh, for Book Week. The Book Week. I have to have a look up here because I'm getting a bit so of pressure on the lowest. don't eat bananas. She got told the day before about yeah. this hat parade. She came up Wait. with this. Wait. Now, the kid. It's you in those. It's you she, in that tracksuit again. Listen, but during the parade, you're going to love this, Julia. She gets a text from her friends going, what the oh! hell? <laughs> and here's the parade of her child. Oh. Wait. Oh. Wait, what? And then Lovely. afterwards, she has a look at it and goes, whoops. And little Sammy goes, why are they laughing? Mum, and the mum goes, yeah. because it's so damn cool. I'm thinking, dude, it looks oh, like a so heart on. Cool. And the kids walking with this that's just like a... Oh, what about the phone call? Can you come up to the school, please? <laughs> just wait outside the office, thank you. She thought she was being inventive. Oh, so good. Oh, my God, Julia. I, I just can't stop laughing whenever I'm with you. You honestly make my day. But we do have some audience questions for you. I can't get over that dick hat, sorry. Oh, <laughs> oh my God. If we have a boy, Ben... We are so doing that because I'm one of these people that just like to laugh and go, you look amazing. (laughs) (laughs) But it was an accident from the producer, but it won't be an accident from me. Well, also, like, I'm right into making the kids things for because there's book day and there is every hundred days there's another dress-up day. And because I was travelling a bit when they were kids, I ducked myself out to the spotlight and that was a big way that I could work into the night. I remember being on tour and sewing things onto costumes and stuff because I don't know if that was my version of guilt because I decided years ago that guilt is bullshit and that there's no point in me being away and guilty about being away from the children. If I'm going to be away, I might as well go and do the job I'm there for and yeah, then so true. You know, come back and instead of needing so much from them when I get back is trying to slip straight back into our normal life instead of like, I've been away. Where are my year-long hugs, you know? Well, you are amazing and I love you and so do the audience. They've got some questions for you. Oh. Question number one, Margaret, just put your hand up, girl. She doesn't want to. Crouching okay. tiger. Crouching tiger with right. the fun bag. This is for you, my love. Do you get to keep all the outfits you wear on I'm a Celebrity? Get me out of here. I do. Do you get to keep them all? Yeah. That's amazing. I know. You know what? It happened accidentally in year one. And I was like, what's happening with all that wa- lovely wardrobe? <laughs> and, I love um, that. And lovely then wardrobe. the executive that I spoke to said, oh, well, I, I guess it was all sort of handmade for you, so I guess you can have it. So I was like, <laughs> and that became a deal breaker. But then as time went on in Africa, after the first year, and I just took everything that I thought was magnificent, but year two, 
I had this room full of clothes. So when all the things were done in year two, I'm like, this is it's greedy and it's weird. And this is a, like thousands and thousands of dollars worth of clothes. And then how many dresses are you putting on? Like we end up having a sale while we're in Africa and the crew come down and the guys buy things for their wives and all the girls, it was lots and lots of female heavy crew and I'm a celeb and they all buy the dresses. And then the money that's made from that, we give to a local orphanage. Oh, that's awesome. And no, they awesome. then buy school uniforms. So this is cool kind of fashion edge to it. And so just this lovely feeling to be able to do that. Yeah, well, you're a good person. I you're know. always doing that. I'm amazing. <laughs> no, come that's, on. That's, that's, that deserves a clap. Oh, no. Um, I've got Taylor. the second question for you. Yes. Is it a tough gig working with Dr. Chris Brown or good old Brownie? Sweet Dr. Chris. He is obsessed with me. And um, no, it's hard. No, no, he's lovely chap, but no, he's obsessed with me. So what you're looking at with Dr. Chris Brown is uh, basically a scientist in a zip-up handsome suit. That's basically what's going on. He's he's a very, he's he's such a good man. Do you know what? The whole way through the, uh, let's call it the apex of my menopause, I was a maniac. Like, he'd be like, good morning, how are you doing? I'd be like, what the fuck do you mean by that? <laughs> and he stuck with me. He he didn't complain. I mean, he did look a little scared, to be fair. But he was so nice over, it was such a true testament of what a good guy he is because, you know, like your husband has to put up with you in the nicest possible way, lucky him. Your television partner doesn't have to put up with that. So the fact that he had such generosity of spirit is pretty cool. Ah, He's a newy boy, that's why. Yeah, he is. We know good old Brownie. Who was the most high-maintenance celebrity on I'm a Celeb? Ah, uh, ah. Uh, was it Petty? Who was it? No, <laughs> was couldn't it have Fleur? been Petty Fleur. Come on, no, surely. No, it was Tom Arnold. Oh, I did hear that. Yeah, Tom Arnold. Yeah. Yeah, he right. He was just, I think, sometimes people do not look at the show before they go in. I mean, I just want to say, duh. And <laughs> I watched the show. It's called I'm a Celebrity, Get Me Out of Here. Like, wh- what are you doing? And he, I think he got into day two and he was just like, I hate these people and I don't want to be here. And he just, he was nasty to crew and he was That's just, he cool. was just so not, he was not on. <laughs> Computer said no. <laughs> Tom Arnold. You go in no, there he for charity, last long. You know? A drag dropped a lease. No one, no one wanted, wanted to see him on camera anymore. He wasn't even creating that exciting fun where no one minds a little fracas where you think, is this going somewhere? Have I learned something? How's it going to go? He wasn't in it, into that. He was just into bitching about everyone and verbally slapping down people when they'd have an idea or that's just want to play a game of coits. I don't know. That's a bad example. Actually, it's, a bad, it's not a bad example. I think, you know, what's interesting about that is that sometimes when certain people have reached a certain success, they think that they can treat people like that. And for yeah. me, I believe every single human being is on the same level. doesn't matter how much you have, where you come from, social economics, social stat, you know. It's a lot I- about the people that you surround yourself with of as well. Course. You know, that's the funny thing about being in television world is that when you're at work, you know, there's practically someone to lift the coffee to your mouth in case you, yeah, that's you really know, how spill it, it on your it? outfit yeah. or whatever. And then you get home through the door and you've been told you're unpacking the dishwasher incorrectly <laughs> and you're like, yeah, about get fucked and um so so there's this very strange double world going on and you definitely need to i think the second you start to you know believe and brag about your own success is when you're on your way down bang yeah you're absolutely right baby but this is hilarious whoever wrote this one what's it like being friends with jackie gillies oh it's everything you're dreaming it's gonna be (laughs) 
Oh my God. What is amazing about Jax? Not only is she incredibly kind, warm, generous, cool, understanding, has the exact reaction you're hoping someone's going to have when you tell them something. She is in tune. She is amazing. She's super loyal and she's beautiful. Oh, you made me cry. Oh my God. And we have a shitload of fun when we're together. (laughs) We do, don't we? We do. Get the rocky out. This one likes it. Yeah. How do you deflect negativity? Oh, I pretend that I don't take it on board, but I do. The social networking stuff is tricky for that because when someone writes something nasty, I, I delete the comment, but it still gives you the punch in the stomach. Mm. So I try not to make it worse by by replying or entering into it. I'm like, whatever, you can think whatever you need to think. But you do still think about it later and it does inform your performance and how brave you are when you get a, you know, a sort of stream of someone saying you're a dickhead or you're not funny yeah. or you're stupid or whatever. You're like, yes, I'm all of those things, but... <laughs> You can't have my job, motherfucker. Oh. <laughs> thank you, Julia. You have been such an amazing guest. How amazing is Julia Morris? Thank you, Julia. And I just want to thank you from the bottom of my heart for coming and supporting me for my first ever podcast. I think it's like wonderful. Recording. It makes complete sense. Podcast world is made for you, you know. Thank you. You really do broaden people's thinking with oh, your ideas you. and, and the way you encourage others. It's a, it's a really admirable gift. Oh, God bless you, Julia. Can I just say, everybody, give it up for Julia. Thank her for coming. We're going to shout it up. I hope you all enjoyed my chat with Julia. She's just so hilarious and she's such a good friend. Julia, I love you, girl. Thanks for being my ultimate guest. Guys, thank you for all sending through your questions. Actually, Blake from the Facebook group has asked, as a fellow Nevercastrian, what are some of your favorite places here in Newcastle? Okay, I love the Edwards. Chris Joinier, the bass guitarist of Silverchair, owns the Edwards. And I also love Flotilla. That's another restaurant he owns. So I love going there for dinner, Flotilla, and some cocktails. And the Edwards for cocktails, they do great food and great drinks. I actually like the vibe of the Crystal Brook upstairs where you can actually go and have a few drinks. Yeah, they're they're my two favorite places, Flotilla and the Edwards. Morgs from Instagram has asked, how do comments online affect you and the other women on on the show? Listen... Any person that trolls is going to affect any person, like to be fair. But I'm very good at making sure that if anybody wants to say anything negative to me about anything, I just don't, I just, you know, they can shine off. I don't take it on because you got to understand when somebody says anything about anybody negative, it's usually their own judgment or they're just projecting what they're actually feeling. So it's not really about you. It's actually about them. So, you know. It's taken me a while, but I've learned very, very quickly that they're not my friends, so I don't care what they think. And that's the way you should also think. You know, I only look at the positives. Okay, my friends. Thanks, Morgs. Harriet from Instagram has asked, will you do Real Housewives of Melbourne next year and will you show your boys? Harriet, I don't know if I'll do the Real Housewives of Melbourne season six. It's going to depend on the cast and who comes back for me. And it's also going to depend on where, where I'm at with life. But I do love filming The Real Housewives of Melbourne. So if I do do the show, definitely I will showcase the boys because it's part of my story, right? Part of my journey. 
Thank you for joining me for another episode, guys. I will see you all next week for the final episode of The Real Housewives of Melbourne and the finale of season one of this podcast. And it's going to be a good one, guys. We're going to shine it up. Thank you for joining me on this week's episode of The Shine It Up podcast with me, Jackie Gillies. If you enjoyed this episode, hit subscribe and rate and review, which helps others find the podcast. For more, follow me on Instagram at Jackie Gillies TV and the podcast at Shine It Up underscore with Jackie Gillies. Shine It Up is proudly a part of the ACAST Creator Network. Special thanks to Rode Microphones for powering this episode. And I will see you all next week. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.